beautiful soul, my name is Steven, and welcome to the Vulnerable Heart Meditation Podcast. This is our first episode, and this has been a long time in the making. And even as this is the first episode, all of this is going to be quite impromptu. Um, but. I want to just say that with the intention of this podcast, I really just want to offer a safe space, a space for those who are willing or looking into diving into their own inner spiritual discoveries, discovering the truth of who you are, letting go of the old stories, letting go of the old pains. I want to let you know that it's all welcome. And really, with this first episode, I I really just am feeling called to just go into the story, my own story, I guess. Um, It's interesting. Uh, A couple weeks ago, I was on a car ride back home after dinner. Um, I was with my partner in the car. I was driving and um, I found myself in a state of just being really triggered over a conversation that we were having. It was just relating to some um, personal experiences I had had with thoughts of suicide um i'm just acknowledging there's a part of me that's even afraid to to even acknowledge and to say that um and i'll be i'll be maybe talking about this a little later but all things said um you know there was just a part of me that was just not really feeling understood with some of what i was sharing about my past history so i there was a point in time like we had we had parked and gotten back home and i i needed to take a walk i was a little bit angry actually so i i kind of uh stormed off and and had that moment with myself uh and the night sky and the neighborhood and i'm walking and you know really kind of in the depths of just really, as I said, feeling quite misunderstood. Um, And it kind of hit me. um, I was just reflecting on how much love I have for the past versions of me. The versions of me that were in so much pain that were in so much shame, the versions of me that felt so alone. And um, I realized that this is something I don't really, you know, these parts are not really parts that I talk about with anybody. Um, Even a lot of like coaches or people I work with. um, And it really, I 
I was talking to God and I was like, you know, why, you know, why is all of this happening? Why, you know, why, why, why do I have to, you know, suffer through this feeling of being misunderstood? And in some way, shape or form, like it kind of, I don't know, it hit me that I'm meant to just share my story in a deeper way. I'm meant to share it with other people. Um, and and I, I guess that's, that's, this is where I really want to start things off is that, um, gosh, I wasn't expecting to like even go so deep on a first podcast, right? And I know this is probably going to like maybe scare off a lot of people. Um, wow. Who? Where do you begin? I mean, I grew up feeling alone most of my life. Um, you know, I. And, and I want to say, I am telling all of this, let me preface with this. I'm telling all of this not for sympathy. I'm not telling these stories for pity. Um, please, I ask that, you know, as you listen to this, or even if you choose to comment on this, I, I'm not asking for advice. I'm not asking for your assertion or your approval necessarily. Um, I share these stories because I know that people need to hear it, need to be seen, need to be witnessed. Um, but all things said, uh, you know, I, I grew up feeling quite alone um, in a lot of ways. I, my parents, separated when I was about three years old. Um, and I mean, I think it goes without saying that creates a lot of confusion for a child. It created a lot of inner turmoil that kind of created this pathway into the rest of my life. I mean, that, that really kind of led the, created this pathway into my own teenage years and my own adulthood. Um, you know, I think when my parents separated, actually, like, I think I was maybe three years old. Um, my mom was arrested. My mom, you know, my mom and dad both were really strong alcoholics. I don't even know the full story behind it, but I, what I do know is that they were deep in alcoholism and even drugs. <laughs> and, uh, you know, like, 
I think, yeah, as I'm, you know, as I was saying, at the age of three, my mom was taken out of the picture. I remember, actually, it's pretty as clear as day, just like my three-year-old self, I want to say I was like on the couch or something, and I can, I can hear everything that's happening, and I know what's happening, and I remember being startled even by like, by the commotion, uh, eventually, of course, my mom being taken away. Uh, and it's, it's just really quite interesting. Um, the way that even to this day, like, you know, being 29 years old now, uh, there, there are snippets from these moments that are still very here. But to come back, you know, it, it started with this separation and then it led into living, growing up with my, my dad and my grandmother and my brother who was just one year older than I am. I'm sorry, one year younger than I am. Um, and, you know, for maybe about a year or two after that, gosh, there's so much here because I feel like this is, this can just be a whole long. I don't know how long this podcast is going to be, but I, I guess, you know, I think during the, the first couple years after that, you know, my, my dad would, would work night shifts. He was a night worker. He worked for the company Odwalla. <laughs> um, but in essence, you know, he, he would usually leave around 11 p.m. Uh, and so that would mean, and actually my brother and I shared a room with him. Um, however, from what I recall, most nights my brother would sleep in the room with my grandmother. And some nights I was in the room by myself. And so many nights, oh my gosh, you know, I would like cry myself to sleep, like devastated. Not so much, well, there was part of me that wanted to be in the room with my brother and my grandmother, but uh, there was a part of me that truly felt alone, um, that wondered if my mother was out there, that wondered if my mother cared about me, wondered if my mother loved me, and there were many times I would cry myself to sleep. And then being at the home with my dad and my grandmother, 
I think simply put and acknowledging there's a part of me that wants to hold back but uh, there was quite a bit of emotional neglect going on um, not a lot of inquiring about feelings or emotions um, and if say I was to cry growing up, and we're talking like four, five, six, you know, that was oftentimes met with stop crying, toughen up, even worse was if my arms were out in a certain way, um, or if I seemed or presented feminine in any way. I was told to not be a faggot. And yeah, I, I guess, you know, a big reason why I, I'm sharing all of this is because all of this caused these fractioning off all this fractioning off within myself caused me to start to hide myself, caused me to start to feel stressed very early on as a child. And um, I started to, at a very early age, it was so interesting. Um, You know, not only did I start to feel like I didn't belong at home, but I also started to feel like I didn't really belong in school either. I think in kindergarten, like I got to school on the first day, and I want to say that I don't even think it was the first day. I want to say I had started school maybe a month, maybe a week or a couple weeks into the school year. Um, I don't know if it was due to a delay in like um, vaccinations for me, but I remembered getting there and just really feeling so out of place. But that's not even what I want to highlight, you know? I think as, as somebody who is queer. Um, I think I, I, you know, I knew very early on, I, I think, you know, oftentimes, like, during recess, when we had the opportunity to play things like role-playing games, I was oftentimes embodying um, a lot of female characters. I was, you know, being a lot of, like, fairy characters like uh you might know like Lilymon from Digimon who's like this flower fairy um has vines hanging along the back of her head um and her head is like this beautiful flower bloom or um Starfire from Teen Titans um like I was in love with her 
and her quirky energy she's like a an alien and she has you know she's able to fly and she's she she she's yeah there she there's just something very charming about her for me or even um Yu-Gi-Oh uh I was crazy about the fairy type monsters so it, it was like there was this part of me that just like that just felt that that was so natural and I, I actually I, I love that that part in ways had space to exist and at the same time I acknowledge how different I was from the other boys. A lot of the boys oftentimes like were role-playing these very masculine characters and I think you know early on like I, I don't even necessarily think it was myself that like kind of created separation from the boys but I, I think you know I think they picked up on it too. Um, there's so much but I guess long story short you know I, I think early on as well, I, I felt more of a gravitation toward being in the presence of other girls. And at the same time, that wasn't meant very well either. Um, in fact, I recall a specific time in like first grade. Gosh, I was not expecting to go through like my whole catalog. We're going to skip. A little bit in a little bit but you know in first grade gosh I remember one recess I wanted to go and hang out uh, there were three girls um, I mean I doubt that they will ever hear this um, one one's name was Angelica the other was I believe Mariah the other one was a girl named Maya. And, uh, you know, I wanted, oh, I don't think it was Maya. It was somebody else. But anyway, doesn't, it's not that important. But I just remember uh, wanting to hang out with them during recess. And they really did not want me there. Uh, and I don't know, I guess maybe I didn't take the hint, or I was maybe insistent, but their response to me wanting to, you know, hang out with them was, like, it, it's challenging saying it, but it was to take me by the wrist, like, they, one of them took me by the wrist from behind uh, while two of them started to kick me, um, and I think one of them even, like, throwing, throwing me down, and, you know, this is first grade, this is, I don't know, almost crazy to me, but I ended up, like, um, my head ended up hitting, um, the concrete. This was on a concrete 
ground and uh, my head ended up hitting it. And uh, I ended up having to go home early that day. I like I had like a whole scab on my head. Gosh, but or you know, I guess long story short, the, the painting that I'm trying to picture here is that I did not feel at home, neither at home nor necessarily at school. Like, and gosh, how confusing is it to feel like you don't belong anywhere? Even like, I guess to come back to home life, you know, on top of the emotional neglect that was going on at home and the needing to be a so-called man, like to, to come back to that, like, you know, I was put into sports at a very young age, which nothing wrong with sports, but it was not offering the connection that I needed. Um, and I absolutely, I remember like not really enjoying doing it because I felt like this was all being done so I can please my dad. And I will say that there were some positive aspects to sports like soccer and playing on that team. And, and, and the, the very reason that that provided benefit was like, I could feel the trees and I could see the trees and I could be in wonder and amazement of the trees. Oftentimes to the point where I, I even, I feel like I would just like pause and stop playing altogether just to be in amazement of the trees. There was always a part of me that was, I feel like, attuned to the mystical, which also brings me, of course, to, like, I know I touched on, like, you know, my parents separating and going to sleep alone at night, but oftentimes when I'd be going to sleep alone at night, like, I would close my eyes and I would have, I, all I would see was blue, like, and it was, it was just like almost this blue hovering presence. And it was like around me. Um, and I, I've come to understand a little bit more about it now, but I, I think at some point shut that ability to see down. But what, I, what I've come to learn in recent years is that Blue is the color associated with the Pleiadians. Um, and this this is a you know, this is leading into a whole other a whole other dimension. But um, the Pleiadians are the keepers of the Akashic records. And the Akashic records is a metaphysical library, a collective library of ener every energy that has ever existed. Um, and that Pleiadian energy, if we're really speaking to it, it's, it's healing energy, it's loving energy, 
It's compassionate energy. Um, and, and so it's almost like as a child, like my, it sounds so strange to say this on a recording, but my own galactic ancestry was attempting to get in touch with me to comfort me. Um, it sounds so beautiful, doesn't it? Um, and, and, and I also recognize that this might feel far out for some people. It might feel a little bit like, huh, sounds a little crazy. It, it does sound crazy. But I will say, you know, don't knock it. <laughs> but all things said, gosh, long story short, right? Like, I was pretty miserable as a child. Um, I think by the time I got into like second, third grade, I started gaining a lot of weight. Started eating a lot. I started sneaking into my dad's drawer and out of curiosity pulling out his Playboy magazine magazines and gosh I started you know just at a very early age finding these coping mechanisms whether it be you know of course eating whether it be um, masturbation but these were ways that I was attempting to relieve myself of deep stress of things that were going on at home. I mean, we're also not even talking about physical abuse yet. But yeah, I guess what I want to, you know, really just want to put forward is that, right, this isn't all meant to be gloom and doom. Like, there were also good moments as a child. Um, but I also, I, I really just want to bring to light just some of the darkness. Um, yeah. But long story short, right, you know, we, we can start to go forward in some of the years now. Um, and gosh, I feel like there's so much stuff. I feel like I'll, I'll have to write a biography, autobiography or something. But anyway, long story short, so much of these experiences set a precedent for my own life. Um, not really being invited to have a voice led me in my high school years to my middle, my middle school years to really love English and to really thrive in English. In my high school years, it led me to studying French, which, interestingly enough, gave me a portal into self-expression that English did not, because oftentimes I was afraid of really expressing myself in my native language. 
of being told to shut up, of being told that my voice wasn't good. And so French became this whole world for me. Um, this world of exploration, this world where I could say whatever I wanted and no one was going to tear me down, this world where I could write whatever I wanted and no one was going to tear me down. It was liberating and freeing. Um, and I guess... Yeah. Just, yeah, I think just, you know, as I'm sharing this, I really, you know, this, this, all of this might feel so directionless for the listener, <laughs> but, but what I want to share is that, you know, I'm, I'm going to continue jumping because there, there's so many, I guess, I mean, I'll, 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 I'm sure I'll be sharing more of these things in future podcast episodes. But long story short, if we're really going into, like, uh, later years, you know, I ended up loving so much, loving French so much that I ended up, during high school, traveling to France twice. Um, and then I ended up continuing to study it in college. It was my major in college. Um, and really, if we're really talking about college years, gosh, I went through some of the toughest, I feel like, lessons in college. I'm sure we, I'm sure, I'm, I, I'm obviously I'm not the only person, but, um, but I know that with such a low self-esteem, I lost myself in relationships. I lost my sense of self in relationships. I felt as though I had to sacrifice my needs. I felt as though I had to sacrifice my desires. I felt like I had to sacrifice my love for poetry. Uh, I felt like the only thing I was allowed to focus on was my partner. And it was such an unhealthy, toxic way of relating. And, uh, you know, with each, I had, you know, before, I went to a few different colleges, but before I, I went to, I, I started off, I went to school at a university, a four-year university in Pennsylvania. And this is specifically, I moved there to be in a long, you know, to, 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 get together with somebody who I had been in a long-distance relationship with. I was out there for a year. The relationship didn't last. By the end of the year, we, we were breaking up. And I was like, I, I need to come back. I need to come back home. I live in uh, the San Francisco Bay Area in a, in a city called Pacifica. But long story short, I was just like, I was like, I need to come back, end up coming back, and uh, I enroll in my local community college where I ended up staying for a couple years before transferring to UC Davis. I'm not meaning to give you my whole college history here, 
but um but what i wanted to share around this was you know not only did those relationships pain me so much because what i want to highlight as well is that a lot of these unhealthy relationship dynamics right i think it's so important that we acknowledge that these inevitably bring up a lot of our own wounding from our parents not to mention you know i think it's important to that we acknowledge that like the ways Oh man, it's so interesting, you know? I was not ready for those relationships. And clearly on a soul level, I was. <laughs> but... But did I show up in the way that I truly wanted to show up? Probably not. Did I hurt people? Absolutely. And of course, a part of the whole healing process is being able to sit with and to hold and to address those feelings of, um, of knowing that we've pained or hurt another person. But on another note, you know, on top of going in and out of couple relationships feeling lost like I remember when I transferred to UC Davis this is the third college I went to I oh my gosh I had just gotten out of a year-long relationship with the, the guy I thought was the bee's knees like he was my world and I mean, when I look back on it now, I see that, you know, he really was not meant to be. Like, he, you know, I, I'm, you know, he, I'm sure he's a lovely person now, but there was just a lot of lying and manipulation, uh, secrets, but also a lot of meanness, to be honest. There, there was a lack of, actual I guess you could say love and and that's okay it's okay to acknowledge that it's okay to say that but I guess at, you know at that time like because I think my self-esteem was so low I had put all of my value I had put all my eggs into this basket and I was so heartbroken that like I remember you know it was this was the summer before I went to you know to transfer to this college I was still so heartbroken for much of the time that I was a student at UC Davis and uh, it was so you know not only that but I, I I was depressed I felt alone I was one of I was the first one of the first people in my family to go and get a college degree so I was I was figuring so much out on my own not to mention 
Oh, this is where we're really going into it. But a few years earlier, it, this was um, after I had... This is after I had gotten back from my first year of college in Pennsylvania. I had gotten back to the Bay Area and I took a job uh, working in a coffee shop. I know we're, we're backtracking. We're jumping all over the timeline. But I was working in a coffee shop and uh, I, I love that coffee shop, by the way. It still exists. It's called Pacific Java. Um, but the great thing about that coffee shop was that you got to play music uh, on the on the radio. So I would bring CDs with me and I would uh, I would play them all the time. Um, but long story short, um, you know, I I was working at this coffee shop and also going to community college. And uh, I, I sometimes would ride my bike to work. And one day, I, I want to say it was like a Thursday. I, I know the exact day. It was October 10th, 2013. I am getting ready for work. I believe my shift starts at 12 noon. I'm leaving my home. It's around 11 a.m. I usually have a phone with me, and through my phone, I'm usually blaring music. Uh, I believe I was playing a song from my phone by, like, Rilo Kylie as I started down the hill. And I'm going down the hill I live on. I'm probably going about 15, maybe 20 miles an hour. Um, and I'm getting ready to stop at a at a stop sign, an intersection uh, that's, you know, maybe a block and a half ahead of me. However, on an, inter on an intersecting street, there is a car. And that car doesn't stop at its stop sign. It turns up the hill and I have no time to react, I have no time to respond, and I go headfirst into the car windshield. This was a wake-up call. I think at that point in my life I had felt so very lost, so very confused, so, so depressed, so out of my body and disassociated, that almost like the universe, this was the way for the universe to say, wake up, come back home, there's something more for you. It was really quite ugly. Um, not to mention, I think on a certain level, it's interesting, I think sometimes we manifest these kinds of experiences. Um, because there was a part of me that was just as much as I wanted to come back to the Bay Area after spending a year in Pennsylvania, I was also deeply saddened too. It meant I had to live with family again. And there was a part of me that was afraid that I would never raise the money to be able to go to a four-year college.
pretty sad. And I actually would cry myself to sleep. And I would actually ask God to help me. I, I you know, and, and it makes me think about how the vibration that we're emitting is, is what we call forward. You know, like, gosh, I ended up being able to fund my way through college due to the accident that I had. And I'm, I want to say I'm so grateful to, to, to have been able to do that. Deeply grateful. I just didn't realize it would happen in the way that it did. I didn't realize that maybe, just maybe, because I didn't really even know if God existed or if the universe existed, like, this was almost kind of like the universe's way of cramming this gift for me. It's really crazy when you think about it. Um, and also growing up, gosh, I didn't even mention this, growing up, my, my dad was very much an atheist. <laughs> so I didn't really grow up with any sense of a belief system. In fact, you could say not having a belief is a belief system. Because to, be, to, to declare oneself as not believing in anything is to believe in something. In fact, to say, I don't believe in anything, I feel like you amplify your ability to have a predisposition to, toward cynicism, toward the not good, toward avoidance, toward denial, toward complacency. And, and, and so, you know, it's just all of this, all of these things, um, I feel like that were just in my field. Um, long story short, man, we're really, really going into it. Um, long story short, yeah, so we're, we're going to jump a little bit, right? So that accident happened, went through a couple year long lawsuit was able to put myself through college because of that. But I was so alone. I felt so sad. I felt like no one really understood what I was going through. I was paying my own rent. I know I'm not the only person who does this in college, obviously, but but it's just, there was, there was just all these experiences that just amplified this feeling of being alone. Um, and I, I was also just knee deep in feelings of like, why is any of this worth living? I even found myself at one point in college, like, kind of, I don't want to say hooking up with, but there was, there was someone that I was really interested in. 
and things just weren't going to work out, I think, because of the 10-year difference in age. That's the kind of situation I found myself in. But things just weren't going to work out, and part of me still... I, I knew it wasn't going to work out. I had a lot of love for this person. Um, a lot of love for this person, but... Um, Oh, I was so devastated because I felt like, oh, you know, again, my, you know, my heart is breaking. Um, my heart is breaking. I'm having trouble with school. I think I had, you know, I think my first quarter in Davis, I failed a class because I was so depressed. There was just so much going on. And then I believe my second year, my goodness, I remember just, just you know, one traumatic near-death event after another. It was kind of like that, like, uh, it was my, it was the night before my birthday. Uh, and Several months prior, a friend had uh, given me some LSD. And uh, I remember basically just, uh, how do I put it? Well, I went out with, so long story short, you know, it's the, it's the night before my birthday. I'm out at the bar with some friends. And in my pocket, I, I have these two tabs of LSD. And as I'm out at the bar, I, I, I had told a friend of mine that I had this with me and that I was considering taking it. And I was under the impression that this friend was going to stay the night at my place. And so you know, we're, we're actually having quite a good time, you know, enjoying, you know, I, I think there were a few people who, who had came out, who had come out to the bars with us. But, you know, things start winding down, uh, maybe a little past midnight. And uh, I just remembered thinking to myself, well, fuck it. And I go ahead, I, I take a couple tabs of acid. I, you know, I put it on my tongue. And, uh, and we start eventually walking back to my apartment. And, uh, goodness, I really, I think what I, you know, what I'm, you know, what I'm going to speak to more than anything is, uh, well, my, you know, my friend that ended up coming into my home for a little bit. She brought her friend with her, but it turned out that my friend wasn't going to stay the night. And so, you know, just as things were kind of swinging in, I, you know, she ended up leaving and I was kind of left to my own devices. I, I lived with a roommate, but 
we didn't even really get along, nor did we even share the same native language. So it was just this bizarre experience. Um, and there were moments during this where things were in their onset that um, I was experiencing deep bliss, but also like there were there were parts of me that were actually being put face to face with a lot of the sh voices of shame and guilt and pain inside of me, and I didn't know how to handle that. And I was also being put face to face with a lot of the pain and suffering in the world. And I didn't know how to handle that. I didn't, I didn't have the tools that I have now. I didn't know how to breathe into my body. I didn't know how to see the illusion of my own mind, the creation of my own mind. But what ended up happening, and not to mention, it also sent me down some really nasty places. It was so strange. It was it was as though experiencing like deep, deep, deep pain, but also deep, deep, deep bliss. It, there is something very bizarre about it. But I ended up at one point um, skipping out into the street, and uh, you know, it was late at night. I guess. My roommate at the time, my housemate at the time, ended up calling the police, understandably. Um, but as I'm having this experience, this very uh, sensitive experience, I suddenly hear, get to the ground. And my world stops. It, this all becomes this very heavy experience. Um, I'm not going to share all the ins and outs of this experience. But this experience, in essence, created a lot of shame. A lot of pain. A lot of fear. A lot of feelings of isolation. I was afraid that I was going to get kicked out of my school. I didn't know how to handle the expenses that were coming up from this emergency. I had no idea what to tell my family. In fact, about a month later, my My family received the bill, and my dad asked me, what is this for? And I lied. I said, I said it was related to alcohol. Um, I felt really 
ashamed of what I had done. I Part of me felt like it was completely my fault for what had happened. And uh, long story short, you know, wow, you know, I, I, I just want to say I'm painting this picture because I know there are probably people out there that have experienced things either just as painful, if not more so. And I really, I, I guess, there's so much I could go into. <laughs> there is so much I could go into. And the, a big reason why I want to just offer this space, at least this initial space, is to just say, I've been through some shit. I imagine you've been through some shit. I want to let you know you're not alone. I want to let you know that I love you. I want to let you know that you are loved. Because the truth is, in the, all those experiences that I've had, I did not feel loved. I did not feel like I mattered. I did not feel important. I felt insignificant. There were moments where I wanted to die. However, it's really been committing to this path, committing to my soul, committing to my heart, that has really changed the tides of my life. And as I say this, there are, there are these owls that are hooting outside. It's like 2 a.m. as I record this. There are owls hooting outside, and owls are really symbolic of just, like, being able to go into the darkest of places, the darkest of places within our own consciousness, to bring forth wisdom. And, uh, really, um... I really started veering toward my own path of self-healing. I mean, it, these things are so nuanced, right? Poetry had always been a device for me. But it wasn't around 2019. Oh, there, there's so much. I, I feel I, I'm going to let go of the pressure to, you know, get a perfect story out here. <laughs> but... In 2019, after going through one last relationship where I felt like I completely lost my identity, it's about a two and a half year long relationship, um, I started to pick up the pieces finally. And in 2019, I started taking classes in piano. I started learning language again. I started learning Spanish, actually. Um, gosh. And I started meeting with a friend who helped me process a lot of my own inner emotions, my own inner thoughts and feelings after what had happened within my last relationship, where I wanted things to go in my life. I started really reflecting on a lot of this and I was back and forth between working in coffee and, and teaching French at the time. 
and it was right before this is really leading me into like my own healing journey right um but about a month before the pandemic in 2020 well actually before i even go into that in january of 2020 i lost my grandmother to pancreatic cancer and this oh my gosh this created a whole other subset of of feeling and confusion um because i personally did not have while she was alive i did not have the best relationship with my grandmother um i felt like it was wrought with a lot of judgment a lot of shame guilt tripping a lot of threats um and i guess with that like you know it was just this bizarre experience in the sense that as you know i felt it was really painful to watch the way my grandmother was passing it was also really painful to see the resistance to truly changing uh but I, you know, I'm not going to go too much into that. But, um, I guess, I guess what I'm trying to say here is that, you know, like, there were, there were a lot of points of healing in the sense that before she passed, I really took the time to express some of the things that I had actually really, truly felt to her. Uh, and that required a lot of courage on my behalf um, to actually take that step, to actually share what I needed to share. Uh, and at the same time, you know, it was so interesting because while my family was seemingly... understandably devastated by the loss of my grandmother uh, and a lot of them you know were just emphasizing how much of a I guess you could say saint she was there was this uh, there was inside of me just this feeling of like one relief my body felt relief my body felt like it could breathe my body felt like a sense of freedom, which was just a bizarre um, experience. Uh, doesn't mean I'm a bad person either. Uh, it doesn't mean I didn't love my grandmother. But it was almost like my body felt like it could finally, in a way, be its self. Not to mention, there was a part of me that just felt a little bit discordant because I didn't hold the same feelings as my family. 
that was a whole other point of, of healing and processing. Um, and obviously the relationship to so much of this has changed, especially as I've gone down my own spiritual path, but coming back, right? So about, it was about March of 2020 that I met a friend, strangest of places on, on the app Grinder. <laughs> but I met a friend who, uh, we, we sat down, so, so strange, you're gonna be, people are gonna be like, you met on Grindr? Um, yes, we met on Grindr and we sat down in a sandwich shop. And, uh, and this friend encouraged me to start meditating. It was, it was the most bizarre hand of fate. Um, but this friend encouraged me to start meditating, encouraged me to start doing breath work. And I, you know, I was telling this friend how I felt like I was, you know, ready to kind of delve a little bit deeper into my own spirituality. Um, and so right before the pen, before the pandemic happens, I start taking to doing breath work and meditation. I'm doing like the Brim Wim Hof method. I would check out Wim Hof if you can. I start doing like the Wim Hof method and I start sitting in meditation. Uh, and, you know, my friend was already very far on his path, but he was really kind of introducing me to, you know, setting an intention when you go ahead and meditate. So I'm doing this. And, um, you know, as we all know, the, the pandemic actually takes place. Um, it happens mid-March and I ended up getting furloughed from my job working in coffee and uh, so I'm just at home at that point and I'm I think we all needed that pause in one way or another but for me it was like this opportunity to totally just like pause to totally like start to be with some of the anxiety, the stress, the overwhelm, the low self-esteem, like the the not feeling good enough, the being hard, the perfectionism, all of these traits and qualities that were not really me. And meditation became this way for a lot of these ways of being to dissolve. Not to mention, as I'm doing a lot of my own meditation and inner reflection, I start having these, I guess you could call them these deeper inner experiences. Almost, I would say, getting glimpses into past lives. Almost these divine messages, you could say, from the universe. And there was a part of me that was, how do I put it? Piecing things together or, or desiring to, to ground and to piece things together. 
a lot of these messages would take me by surprise and would leave me feeling quite ungrounded. And so in essence, what I, you know, uh, you know, there, there came a point where my, my mission in essence was to find a way to ground this information. So in essence, I, well, I sought out a program. It was a program called SuraFlow. It was a program in meditation coaching. I had no idea what to expect from the program. Um, I mean, I had a vague idea that it was a path to becoming a so-called meditation coach. But what I didn't know was that this was going to be a six-month-long program that would lead me to starting to really dig into some of my own wounds, patterns, and shadows. I'm so grateful for it because it, it literally changed my life. It gave me hope that change was possible that not, not only that change was possible, but that change was already happening with each moment that I took the time to sit with myself in meditation and to allow myself to unravel. It meant so much to be able to have support within a community. And even though I didn't feel fully expressed within my own voice and within my own heart, that support was there. And I'm so grateful for that. But it, it, this was just the, 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 the stepping stone for so much of the exploration that I ended up continuing to do. Uh, and so, you know, coming back to just this podcast, right? This is the Vulnerable Heart Meditation Podcast. And really, I want to keep it real on here. I want to keep it very real on here. Um, you know, like, I don't want to feel like I have to hide from my audience. I think there's a saying, and it's that vulnerability leads to authenticity. And I think authenticity is one of the hardest things that I've navigated because, as I've mentioned to you in, in a lot of these experiences, secrecy and shame kind of became normalized for me, kind of became a default way of being for me. Asking for help became like a no-no very early on because it meant judgment. It meant that I was bad. It meant that, like, there was something wrong with me. And so, you know, I, I guess this is the thing. This is me stepping out on a limb. Showing you that it's possible, too, to, to be vulnerable and authentic in this way. Um, and I just want to let you know that I see you. I see you. I see you. I see you. And I also want to say that with this podcast, I'm also going to be talking about less heavy things as well. Like, I, I want to talk about, like, 
juicy, you know, inner experiences, juicy insights. I want to talk about, you know, I want to maybe do some channeling, you know, sharing of some things that I've channeled. But I also want to, I, I want to be able to share it all on here. I want to be able to potentially maybe even interview people on here one day. But all things said, wow, thank you for listening. Thank you for being you. Thank you for choosing to lead the journey that you've led up until this now moment. Honor yourself. Whatever you do, honor yourself. If you're breathing, honor yourself. Take a look in the mirror, honor yourself. You deserve it. You deserve it. You deserve it. Give yourself a hug. You're alive. You are breathing. You are here. And I am so glad to be on this earth experience, this earth walk with you. You are so beautiful. And I would give you a hug right now if I could. I'm going to go ahead and close things here. But I just invite you to just take maybe a breath or two with me. If you feel called to share anything you'd like to share about this episode, please feel free to leave it in the comments. Please feel free to share it with a friend who may resonate or who may be interested. And if you'd like to learn more about my services, if you'd like to learn more about things that I offer, you can head to uh, my website, which is vulnerableheartmeditation.com, uh, where I offer services in meditation coaching, a form of somatic therapy. I also offer sound healing, energy healing, and Akashic Record messages, messages from messages reflecting the wisdom of your own soul. In any case, I love you so much. I hope you take care. Bye-bye.